This is the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy 5.15. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Thank you, Bonnie. Church, I think that our smartphones are ruining our memories. Would you agree with that? I'll tell you why in a minute, but uh, first of all, to introduce myself, my name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Sound City Bible Church, and the reason I think cell phones are ruining our memories is that there are a lot of things that we used to just stick in our brains that we don't anymore. Now we stick them in our phones and we look up. For instance, how many of you, now this doesn't apply to Gen Z or Gen Alpha or whatever, obviously. But how many of you remember one of the telephone numbers that either you had as a kid, your family, your best friend, and it's just like in there? You're going to have it till you die. That's what we used to do. We just put a number in there and it stuck. Or directions. How many of you used to know just how to get somewhere? Even if it was somewhere new, you knew this street went to that street. You knew that landmark was there and you could just go and get there. Not anymore. What do we do? Pull out the phone, put the address in. Even if you don't know where it is, you Google, where is this? And you find it, and you put the address in, and you even put it up on the dashboard. Put your phone up there, and it tells you where to go. You can think about something else. You don't have to pay attention. Just turn where it says. Same thing with, with uh, history. You don't have to remember who, which president came when. Just look it up. You don't have to remember what, what years World War II happened. You know what happened. You just look it up. What year was it? Uh, and vocabulary. Our vocabulary has shrunk. We, uh, in our family, uh, we played some uh, boggle over the Christmas break. You may like boggle? You have to have good vocabulary for boggle. Well, we realized we had to implement a house rule. This is what was happening. We would we'd be reading off the words, and we'd realize someone would say, is that a word? And you're like, yes, I know it's a word. Well, what does it mean? Oh, I don't know what it means. I just know it's a word. And so we spent a lot of time looking up. Is this a word? What does it mean? And we, we'd all learn something. But then we spent so much time on our cell phones looking up words, we implemented a, a house rule. If you can't define it, you don't get to write it down as a word. Our, our memories are changing. Well, when it comes to our memory of God, we need to make sure that we remember. That's the command that we're getting from this verse, is to remember. Um, God has commanded his people to remember as part of our ongoing relationship with him. Now, we already know that remembering is part of relationships. Here's an example. Men, any of you married? Do you remember your anniversary date? Not remembering that can affect your relationship, correct? Well, I am very blessed to have a memorable anniversary. We were married in 2000. And July 8th, so 7, 8, 2000. It's stuck in my brain. It's easy to remember. Never forgotten our anniversary. However, Melissa's birthday comes just a few days later. July 13th. 
1984. All right. Well, see, memory affects your relationships. Well, what I was going to say was, I've only forgotten her birthday once. And... It definitely had an effect on our relationship. And one time I remembered a birthday and it had an effect on our relationship. Like five minutes ago. All right. Well, back to what's important. God has commanded us to remember. And that is part of our ongoing relationship with him. And so in this command, the first part is remember. Remember God. In the previous two sermons, we dealt with the first part of this verse, that God had commanded his people, Israel, to remember that they had been slaves in the land of Egypt, and to remember that God had rescued them out of slavery with a strong and mighty hand. And then in the, second, in the last part of the verse, he's giving them an, uh, some directions for an ongoing remembrance. And... When you put that ongoing remembrance into context, we're going to remember God in these three ways. We want to remember who God is. Remember who God is. And we, we, could, we could have an, uh, an, an exhaustive list here if we just sat down and described who God is, his characters, uh, characteristics, his attributes, and uh, they're innumerable. But to, to summarize, God is creator. He's creator and ruler of all that is, all that ever has been, and all that ever will be. There's no other creator besides him. God is the author and sustainer of life. God is the giver of all good things. God is the one who answers prayer. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. God is the one who sees us and knows us as we are, inside and out. I think that's an important one to pause on. Sometimes we feel unseen. Sometimes we feel alone. Maybe we feel abandoned, rejected, feel like no one understands us. God sees us. He knows us. He knows us inside and out more than we even know ourselves. God is the one who sees. God is higher than any other. There's no other being that is like God, no other being that approaches his power, his might, his holiness. And God alone is worthy of worship. Remember who God is. But as we remember, we remember what God has done. We remember that God has made mankind in his image, separating us from the rest of creation, made in his image. God has called a people to himself from from Adam and then through uh, Noah and then through Abraham and all the way down to present time. God is calling out a people to be his own people. And God has preserved 
his people through slavery, through wandering, through persecution. God has also rightly judged his people's sin. There is this pattern in the Old Testament that reminds us about this relationship with God. That God calls the people to himself, makes them his people. That those people then turn their back on God and sin. God judges their sin rightly. And then, after a time, God redeems them back to himself and makes them his again. And that cycle repeats over and over until we've, we, then he sent his son Jesus to once and for all redeem his people, making us his children by putting Jesus as a substitute in our place on the cross where God could pour out all of his wrath, his righteous judgment on our sin, and Jesus would absorb that. And his blood would wash us clean. That Those who have faith in him would now be his children. And God has promised. God has promised us a future of eternal life with him in his eternal kingdom. Remember God, who he is, what he has done, There's one more aspect of remembering God I want us to think about, and that is this, that we remember that God alone is God. I think that's really uh, important for today. We are inclined by our own nature, and it's the undertones of our society that we are our own God, that we get to control Our lives, we are tempted to try to control our surroundings, our circumstances, those even people around us. We are tempted to want to be the God of our own lives, even to make our own rules, to define our own purpose, to define uh, meanings. But God alone is God. And in fact, I think it's important to say that God is God of his people collectively. His, his people, those who have come to faith in Christ, God's people universal. Throughout time, throughout all places, God is the God of his people. But God is also the God of the person. God is a personal God. He's God for you. He's God for me. Remember, God alone is God. One way that we can remember God as being our God and personal to us is the recording of answered prayers. I want to tell you about a man named George Mueller. But before I tell, him, tell you about him, I want to, to remind us that whenever we think about these giants of the faith, if we're not careful, we start comparing ourselves to them And we get discouraged. That's not the point. Let's don't compare ourselves to this man, George Mueller. But let's take inspiration from his example, from his experience with God. So this is is George Mueller. He um, was a pastor. And uh, he, he took the gospel to the needy in his time in the 1800s. George Mueller... One of the things that sets him apart is that he recorded 
how God answered prayers. He kept, kept journals over the 93 years of his life. And in those journals, there are 50,000 recorded answers to prayer. Where he would write the prayer and then write the way God answered it. And some of those are really amazing and astounding. Through God's answer to prayer, George Mueller was able to first open an orphanage and then orphanage after orphanage where he cared for hundreds and thousands of orphans over his lifetime. One example of his seeing God's answer to prayer, he records how one morning they woke up and they had no food to feed the orphans. They had exhausted all their food the the day before. But they still gathered all the children around the breakfast table. And they prayed. And they said, God, you're the giver of good things. We put our trust in you to provide food for your children this morning. Before they finished praying, there was a knock on the door. And the baker standing there said, I had a big order. They canceled it. They don't need it. Can you use this bread? And they brought in bread to feed the children. But as they were laying out the bread, there was another knock on the door. And it was the milkman. And he said, I don't know what happened. We have all this extra milk. Can you use it? And so just moments after praying for God's provision, God had answered in these incredible ways. Because God alone is God. And God is a God for his people collectively and for us personally. So let's remember him. But I do want to to say this. That the kind of remembering that God is commanding us to do doesn't happen by accident. Some things we remember by accident, like a memory of a, a childhood event will pop into your head or a song, some song lyrics will pop into your head. Those things happen by accident. The kind of memory that God is asking us to do, the kind of remembering, does not happen by accident. And so we need to make remembering an intentional part of life. That's what God was telling the people of Israel when he said, keep the Sabbath day. He was giving them a specific prescription for this day, one day of the week, to remember him in specific ways. So what what does it look like for us to make an intentional, make remembering an intentional part of our life. Well, you might also say, what is Sabbath in our context? When I was growing up, I was part of a church that tried to take Sabbath as described for the people of Israel and just move it all on to Sunday and make a, a Sunday Sabbath. And all, they tried to take a lot of the prescriptions and, uh, and the way it was laid out in uh, the Old Testament for God's people, Israel, and just move it all. Well, I don't think that's uh, required. I don't think it's most helpful. Um, I think there are significant ways, though, that we can look at what God was intending for the people of Israel in the Sabbath and say those same things are intended for us to put into our lives an intentional remembering. And the first part of that is to stop. When, when we really need to remember something, most often we'll just stop. Stop what we're doing. Here, here, an example came to me, uh, my mind the other day about this. Any uh, 
Lord of the Rings fans? So in Fellowship of the Ring, when the Fellowship was, was trying to, to, to get through uh, the Mines of Moria, and Gandalf was the one that knew the way. So they were all following Gandalf under this mountain, through the mines. And they got to this place where there was, it was a fork in the road with multiple directions they could go. And all of a sudden, Gandalf said, I have no memory of this place. He couldn't remember which way to go. So instead of just like trying each one out, they just stopped. He just had them stop and sit there. And he just was trying and trying to remember. Well, we do the same thing. If we want to truly and intentionally remember, we need to stop. I mean, stopping our work or distracting activity. We, we pause life to remember intentionally. And then the next part that God is instructing us to is to focus on him, to focus on God. As we just said, who he is, what he's done, and how he, is, uh, he alone is our God. We stop and focus. Now we do this collectively, corporately. We're doing this right now. We're one day a week. We pause our work. We, we come and gather with God's people. We encourage each other. We speak uh, truth and life to each other. We sing out music. Now, you have your music preferences. I have mine. Uh, we each have our own tastes, right? Do we sing those songs when we come together? We sing uh, bluegrass uh, hits. Do we sing the Billboard Top uh, 10 songs? No. We come and we sing specific songs about who God is and what he's done and how he is our God. We look to the word so that uh, our focus is on God's inspiration and teaching us and admonishing us. We even work our whole service around this liturgy that we call it, where we begin remembering our need that we are sinners, we are slaves to our sin, and that Jesus came as our Savior, that God sent him by grace to take away our sins. And then we sing of and talk about how God gives us assurance because of Christ's power, his death, burial, and resurrection, and that now we have hope and a promise of new life. We do that together, collectively, and it is an intentional stopping and focusing on God. But we need, to, we need to have that also in our family lives, and in our individual lives. When we work into our lives, the same thing of remembering God, of talking about him, talking to him together, letting the truth of God fill us. This is something God uh, instructed his people to do, even, uh, even just a chapter after our chapter 5 of Deuteronomy here where God is talking collectively about the Sabbath. Well, in chapter 6, he talks about how to live that out in your own life. Deuteronomy 6 says, These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them down or write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gate. So we 
bring the remembrance of God into our lives collectively and individually and in our family. And one more aspect of making remembering God intentional in our lives is rest. That we rest. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word for rest. And it's, a t- it's uh, first introduced in the Bible in Genesis, where it describes creation. And on the seventh day of creation, it says, God rested from his work of creation. Same word. And so we rest as part of our remembering God. But it's not just stopping our work, ceasing our, uh, our activity for a time. But it's also, and more importantly, it's resting in the completed work of Christ. Remembering God is resting in the completed work of Christ. See, there's danger for those of us that uh, are in Christ. The longer we're in Christ, the more we, we kind of lean toward forgetting that Christ paid it all. And we start either consciously or subconsciously start emphasizing our own works more. Where we are in danger then of crediting ourselves, either for keeping God's law, for avoiding sin, for doing good works. And we start putting emphasis of working for salvation. And we need to make sure we're, we're avoiding that, that we are we're remembering that we can never do enough, either enough spiritual work, enough good works, enough avoiding sin, enough giving money, enough serving. We can never do enough of these things to save ourselves or to pay back God for the salvation we have. No, all we can do is cease those kinds of self-salvation works. Cease that and rest in the completed efforts of Christ, that he has completed his work of salvation for us. Hebrews 4, we've already read part of it, but Hebrews 4, 7 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. See, all, those, uh, all the, the keeping of the law and following God, that is, that, is, that is good, that is godly, it's righteous, but it does not bring the rest of salvation. The rest that comes from salvation is only in Jesus Christ. So hear his voice. Rest in Jesus by faith. If we're doing this kind of remembering, it's going to have an effect in our lives. Remembering reorients our lives. See, our natural tendency is to stay busy, to fill up life with activity. But when we stop and rest in Christ, 
and remember who God is, then it reorients us. It changes us from busyness to balance. You ever, you ever just felt too busy? Have you ever answered when someone says, how are you doing? You ever said, I'm busy. Maybe you even put, I'm good, but I'm busy. Or maybe you've, you've heard the phrase, I'll rest when I'm dead. You ever heard that? We, we just fill our lives with so much activity. But here's the truth. Activity or activities, they can rule our lives if we're not careful. We get out of balance and we focus on these activities, on busyness. So, so a balanced life, you, you can have balance and, and our, everything fits into these four categories. Responsibilities, that includes work, bills, chores, all those things that we have to do. Recreation, enjoyment, uh, entertainment, um, sports, all the things that we do that, uh, that would fall under recreation. Then there's rest, resting our mind, our body, and then there's relationships. All those beautiful things between people and, and us, ourselves and God. Well, if we get out of balance, then our life tips to one or the other. We, if, it's, if we overemphasize responsibilities, then we become overworked. When I think about being overworked, I, I remember this time when uh, between eighth grade and ninth grade, one of my football coaches invited me to uh, work with him for the summer. He had, he had uh, a, a little business where he cut yards, cut grass. And you know, there were a lot of bigger yards and, and these uh, houses out in the country that had just incredible acreage for, for their yards. And, and so we would go out with these big machines and, and cut the grass. Well, I, I, was, I started out the summer taking my cues from him for when to take a break. Every so often I'd look over at him. Is, is he stopping? Is he getting water? Is he, is he having lunch yet? And this guy was a machine. He never stopped. And so I thought, well, if he's not stopping, then he doesn't want me to stop. And so I would work every day, just go out there and work, and no, no rest, no breaks, and just, I just got so overworked. Finally, I realized he was letting me have the freedom to stop and rest and take a break when I wanted. But that's what happens. Overemphasize responsibilities, we get overworked. If we overemphasize recreation, we become hedonistic. Just every, everything is about pleasure and enjoyment. If we overemphasize rest, we become lazy. If we overemphasize relationships, we become codependent, and our lives and emotions get intertwined with others. But when we remember God, we put him in his proper place as supreme in our life, as the one and only God of our lives. Then it puts everything else in perspective and leads to balance. Because remembering God reorients our lives. It also reorients our relationship to work. Our society is very work-focused. We sometimes start to see work as an end in itself. But by God's grace, we focus on him, and work starts to take its proper place as a joyful obedience. 
See, if we're not careful, we place too much value on the work we do. Maybe the quality of the work, the amount of the work, the consistency of our work, the fact that I get up every day and I go to work and it makes us feel important and valuable. Or maybe we put too much value on the lifestyle that our work affords us. And, or maybe even just the way we feel respected in our work. Or uh, in some way, we overvalue our work. Or maybe we're finding our meaning and our purpose in our work. Maybe our work is, uh, it, is helping people or it's making a difference in the world. And we overemphasize uh, that I have meaning and purpose because of the work we're doing. Well, work is a very good thing. God has instructed us to work. We work as imitators of God. God works in many ways. And by working, we can provide for ourselves and our families and those we love. We can contribute to the flourishing of our community. We can, uh, we can live in a way that uh, our work is good for us and good for others. But only if we're putting God first, remembering him, and then everything else about work is put in its proper place. We work to the Lord we think about all this reorienting our lives. I think about uh, the White Rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. Ever seen the book or read the or seen the movie? Read the book? I saw the book. Didn't read it. Um, but uh, Alice in Wonderland, specifically the uh, the movie, really focused on the White Rabbit. And he was driven by, he was, he was a slave to time. And specifically, what was next? Like he was always late for some activity and this place he was going. And in his first encounter with, with Alice, uh, he, he was flabbergasted at her that she wasn't uh, as active as he was. And she wasn't driven by time. And he wanted her to get on board with this activity. And... Uh, he tried to tell her, don't just stand there, do something. I think that's pretty, uh, it's a pretty popular idea in our society. That you, your life is only meaningful if you, if you fill it, if you're always doing something. You can, you can be in control, you can make things happen. Don't just stand there, do something. But what the rabbit actually said, because he got, he got uh, jumbled over his words, he says, don't just do something, stand there. And that's what this remembering is about. We, we don't just do something. We're not just active. Even, even not just active with all the good things of, of serving God's people. We, we pause because there is a greater thing happening in that moment that we're remembering our God and it reorients our lives. Who's our perfect example of this? Of course, it's Jesus. So we seek to imitate Jesus in this. Jesus had the most important work. There's never been more important work on this earth than the work Jesus came to earth to do. And yet, even as he was preaching to thousands the way of the kingdom, even as he was investing in those closest disciples who would take the gospel to the world, even as he was uh, spending time with close friends like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, even, even as 
Uh, he was doing the work of healing people and restoring lives. And then as he was on the march to the cross to work salvation, as Jesus was doing all this, you know what he did? All along the way, he intentionally went away, paused all the activity in the work, and went and spent time with God, remembering who God the Father is, remembering why he was doing all of these works and reorienting all of those things toward God, and then everything else flowed from there. Jesus is our example. Let us remember to remember so that our lives are also oriented toward the Father. Will you pray with me? God, you know that we are forgetful people. You know that we forget so often who you are, that there's no one that compares to you, that we so often forget what you've done, all of the, the small things you do in our lives and even the big ways you have redeemed us. God, we forget. God, would you turn our eyes to you, remind us. And would you lead us by your spirit to build into our lives these intentional moments of remembering that you would reorient our lives around you, that all things then would flow from you. God, I pray for us. Would you reach into our hearts for those of us that we've been tempted to start leaning on our own works, forgetting the completed work of Christ and leaning on our own good works or spiritual works or, or giving or serving and starting to, in, in our minds or in our hearts, put more emphasis on those for, for our salvation? Would you change us that we would remember and rest in Christ? God, for those among us who've yet to put faith in Christ, how would you show them their need, that there is none other than Christ who could reach into their lives, save them from their sins, and give them eternal life? So in these moments, as we specifically remember Christ through our communion, God, would you fill us with the joy and the hope that he brings? Amen.